Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Taking the word to the Father and presenting it to Him as a formal request and believing that He has heard and answered your prayer. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, let's look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You couldn't really begin right there without reading the first five, well, first six chapters up to this point. Because that word finally means what's left to do. There's a lot to do before you get to this standing uh, against the wiles of the devil. Let me say something else to you also. We're not, a, you know, we're not in a battle against demons and evil spirits and, you know, people and all these things. All they are are instigating things to come against us and to get us to a place in our lives that we're held in bondage to sense knowledge. In other words, what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we taste, what we smell. That's sense knowledge evidence. And these things are trying to instigate sense knowledge evidence so that you and I would be captive by sense knowledge evidence. Demons are defeated. That's why he put them last in this book. Demons have been dethroned. That's why he put them last in this book. Finally, what's left to do, brethren? Just stand against the wiles of the devil. Just stand against them. Don't sit down. Don't take a back seat to them. Just stand against them. Okay? Now, that's what he's inferring here. Demons have been defeated, dethroned. They are a dethroned power. And as far as we are concerned and should be concerned, they are paralyzed. They have no authority over the believer whatsoever. None at all. Demons are no problem to you and to me. Amen? And leave them that way. Praise God. Okay. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Just stand against them. Stand there with the shield of faith on. Stand there with the breastplate of righteousness. And when those darts come, let them be quenched and don't give them the time of day. Now, go on, go on down here to verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All of them. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now here, we see Paul saying that we are to pray always with all prayer. In other words, with all kinds of prayer or with all matters of prayer. And what we have endeavored to do is to break, give us a breakdown of prayer and the different kinds of prayer, the different types of prayer. And we gave you the first division as being uh, the prayer that changes things. Prayer that changes things. And uh, there's no sense in going on as far as I'm concerned into getting, you know, answers to prayer for somebody else if you can't get answers to prayer for yourself. You know, we want to be so powerful in the things of God and we want to pray for other people and uh, we should pray for other people. But bless God, if we can get, you know, prayers answered for other people, we can get prayers for ourselves answered. Amen? And if we could be strong in the Lord for ourselves, then you're in a better position to be strong in the Lord for somebody else. Amen? Okay. And that's why we're spending a lot of time on the prayer petition. Now, in the prayers that changes things, we said we have the prayer of petition and supplication. We have the prayer of agreement. We have the prayer of intercession and the prayer of binding and loosing. And we have the, you know, we've broken these down into four different steps or subdivisions so that we can have a clear understanding to the fact that there are different kinds of prayer and they work in different types of situations. Now, we've only been discussing the prayer of petition and supplication, which is the prayer that we take to the Father concerning our own personal need, not for somebody else. I want to reemphasize that. This is to get my need met. When I'm going to the Father for my own personal need, I use the prayer of petition or supplication. Now, we define that, and we said that a prayer of petition is a formal request taken to a higher source or form of or authority. A prayer request or a formal request taken to a higher authority than, you know, we are. And, of course, that's to the Father. We also said, according to James, the first chapter, in verse 6, but let him ask in faith. Go to that chapter, 
chapter 1, verse 6. Let's, let's look at these scriptures again before we go on. It's been a while, so I'll reiterate a few points. This is the prayer of petition or supplication. It is a formal request to a higher authority or a higher power. It has to be prayed or asked in faith. We said there's a difference between prayer and faith. People think that you're going to get things happen in your life because you prayed. Well, I don't want to, you know, get you confused, but I want you to understand this. Prayer does not make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. And if you don't understand the difference between prayer and faith, you sit tight for a while, open up your ears and listen. I believe the Spirit of God has anointed your ears to hear. And you've got a receptive heart and an open mind that this word will produce life inside your spirit. Now in verse 6, but let him ask in faith. Asking is the prayer part. Let him ask in faith. When I give out that formal request, that's my asking or my praying part. But asking is not enough. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall what? Well, the whole purpose for asking is the what? And then he say, asking you shall receive. But if you ask in doubt and unbelief and in wavering, will you receive? Now, we need to know what faith is and we need to know what doubt and unbelief is and wavering is. Amen? So that we can ask in faith without wavering so that we might receive. Okay, and that's what we're discussing. We said that prayer does not make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. And I want to give you an example to uh, emphasize that a little bit more clearly. Now, you remember that Jesus gave us two scriptures in Mark 11, 23 and 24. And he said, in Mark 11, 23, he said, the law of faith, a spiritual law, the law of faith. And that law of faith, if I can condense it for you, is namely this. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That is the law of faith. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. 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 My needs are met. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I can't pay my bills. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I can't seem to get rid of this sickness. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Bless God, I am healed. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I can't seem to control my kids. He shall have whatsoever he saith. My kids are walking in light of God's word. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Thank you, Father, for the perfect mate. He shall have whatsoever he saith. God can't find me no man around here. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Praise God. <clears throat> Do I make my point? What is the law of faith? He shall have whatsoever he saith. Is the law of faith. Faith makes prayer work because in the next verse he said, Therefore, in other words, Because he shall have whatsoever he saith, Therefore I say to you, What things soever you are desiring when you pray. Prayer doesn't make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. Therefore I say unto you, because of the fact you shall have whatsoever you saith, when you pray your prayer, believe that you received it so that you can start saying, by his stripes I am healed, even though it doesn't look like it. Bless God, I thank you that you've met my needs according to your riches and glory, but Christ Jesus, even though it doesn't look like it. But start saying the results. Now that's what he's actually saying about prayer. Faith makes prayer work. Once you've prayed, you need to put on the switch of faith and keep the switch of faith turned on. Now, let me explain that. You just bought yourself a brand new house. You know, all excited about it. And you got on the phone, you know, someone's phone and said, uh, well, we're going to call Duquesne Light Company. We're going to have them come over and uh, I'm going to put in a formal request that they turn on our electricity. So we can have some electrical current flowing in our house so that we can cook and keep warm and put the lights on, etc. And so you get on the phone and you call up the company and you say, I'd like to put in a formal request to you that on such and such a street, such and such an address, we have on the electrical current. And they check, you know, your status with them and they say, okay, you're a you know, good paying citizen and so on and so forth. And uh, they say, okay, your request is granted. We'll have that electricity turned on for you. 
And you say, well, bless God. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was your request. So you put in a request, a formal request to a higher source. You didn't have no power to go out there and do that. They had the authority to do that. Only they did. And so they did for you. They turn it all on. Everything's on. You go inside that house. You start putting your furniture inside that house. You know, and everybody helps you move in and you're sitting, sitting inside that house. And it's getting cold and it's getting dark. And it's getting colder and it's getting darker. And it's getting colder and it's getting darker. And you look at your wife and she looks at you and you say, well, well now, honey, I, I put in a formal request that they turn on electrical current. I don't see any lights coming on. And I don't feel any heat. Do you? No, I don't feel anything. I don't see any light, do you? No, I don't see any light either. What are we going to do? I don't know. I put in a formal request and, and, you know, ask them to do it. Let's call them up and see what they did. You call them back up on the phone and you tell them this situation. And you say, we put in a formal request that we'd have our electrical current turned on at this household. And they says, well, we checked every, our records out and, it, and by our records, everything should be working fine. I mean, all the power should be right there flowing right through all the wires that's in your household. Well, you stop for a minute and you look at your wife and say, they said everything's all right. But it's getting darker and it's getting colder. And so you tell them again, look, I, I'm sorry, there's no, there, there's no light in this house and there's no heat in this house. So finally they send a fellow over to your house to find out what's going on. And he comes and knocks at the door and walks inside your house and it's dark and it's cold. And you say, oh, look, we put in a formal request. That all the power that we need to heat this house and to keep it well lit would be here, you know, for us. And he says, well, look, we've checked everything from without and everything as far as we're concerned, everything is working perfectly fine. Let me just come in. He comes in with his flashlight, walks on downstairs to the basement, checks everything out down there. There's no fuses that are out. Everything is working fine. He walks over to the, you know, switch on the wall and he turns on the, uh, the light switch and the light comes on. Walks over to the furnace and, and looks at the furnace and puts on the switch and bless God, the furnace comes on. And he says, didn't you realize that you've got to turn on the switch? Didn't you realize that you've got to keep the switch of faith turned on? Just because everything is working out, you know, just fine, just because all the power was available and all the power was flowing into that house, if they didn't turn on the switch, it wasn't going to work, was it? They weren't going to get warm, were they? They weren't going to have any light, were they? Now, when I say that faith makes prayer work, the same way that switch made that light work, even though the power was already there, the same way when you turn on the switch for that furnace makes it work, is the same way that faith makes prayer work. The power is already there. The power is already flowing. But keep your switch of faith turned on. What is the switch of faith then? He just told you what it was. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, once he prayeth and puts in his formal request, keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep on saying it. Now hear me. When you ask the Father to meet your need, that was your formal request. That was your prayer. But let him ask in what? In faith. Let him ask in faith. What is faith? It's keeping the switch on. What is that switch? I asked in faith and I believe that I received my need met. Now once you have prayed that petition to the Father and believed that it was granted unto you, we are to keep the switch of faith turned on. And that way the faith mixed with that power will go into operation to produce the results. So if it was for $100 that you needed... And you put in your formal request unto the Father. And you said, Father, I ask you today at 10 o'clock in the morning for $100. That is your asking part. That is your petition part. That is your prayer part. Let him ask in faith. What's the faith part? He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Once you pray, you are to say, I say at 10 o'clock, the Father granted me $100. I say that at 10 o'clock, the Father granted me $100. Praise you, Father, at 10 o'clock, you granted me $100. I have received my need met. I praise you for it, Father. That's the switch of faith. And the first time you walked off and said, well, it looks like it didn't work, you just turned off your switch of faith. You turned your furnace off. And you wonder why you're out in the cold. You turned your light switch off and you wonder why you're out in the dark. You know, it's not the giants of life that defeat us. If Christians are defeated, they are defeated because they defeat themselves. Those, if the giants that were in the land defeated the Israelites, then why, didn't, why did Joshua and Caleb make it? 
If it was the giants, then Joshua and Caleb wouldn't have made it either. The giants were in the land, but bless God, they had somebody that was greater than the giants. And they kept their switch of faith turned on. You understand what I'm saying now when I talk about the switch of faith? Keep the switch of faith turned on. If you don't, you're not going to get it. You're not going to heat your house. You're not going to light your house. Even though all that electrical current was flowing into that household, they were not benefiting from it if they were not turning on the switches. Now that's what the switch of faith is. And we are to keep that switch of faith turned on. Now let me show you something here concerning this in Hebrews the 10th chapter. And verse 23. <clears throat> now you've asked and you've brought your petition to the Lord. You've made your request, a formal request for a certain need met in your life. Now it doesn't matter what that request might be long as it's according to His word, according to His will. We're not going to ask for things that are out, out of line with His will. That's ridiculous. But we've got to ask, you know, concerning the things of His will. Now here in the 10th chapter, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our what? Without what? Let him ask in faith nothing what? Let us hold fast the confession or the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he is faithful that promised. Now remember, the Israelites, they were to enter into the promised land. The Israelites had a promise of entering that land that floweth with milk and honey. But the Israelites did not hold fast the confession of their faith. But Joshua and Caleb held fast the confession of their faith without wavering, even though the giants stuck their ugly heads up in the land. Amen? But they, they didn't, you know, give in and waver. They held fast to the confession of their faith. See, you're not in a demon fight. You're not in a preacher fight. You're not in a, in a traditional fight. You know, you're not in any uh, kind of fight with church people. You are in a faith fight. The Bible says, fight the good fight of what? The devil, the world, and the flesh are coming against your faith. The devil and the world and the flesh are trying to turn off your switch of faith. Once you pray your prayer of faith, you have these enemies coming your way. They're coming against you to make sure you turn off that switch of faith. It stops the power from flowing. If it stops the power, then faith and power can't work to produce your results. It can't heat your house. It can't light your house. But when you hold fast to the confession of your faith, why would I have to hold fast to something if someone's not trying to you know, get it off of me? Why would I have to hold fast to my confession or profession without wavering if there's not something out there trying to make me to waver? If there's something out there trying to make me to waver, I've got to hold fast. But I'm not fighting those things that are out there trying to make me waver. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. They're warring against my mind. They're warring against my senses to try to get my senses to dic dictate to me that no, you didn't get your need met. No, God didn't supply your $100. No, God didn't heal your body. There's your little baby laying over there with a high fever. And you walk inside that room and you lay your hands upon that little baby and say, Bless God, in Jesus' name, fever, I demand you leave that body now. And you walk into the other room and, and you pray your prayer of faith and you bless God and you begin to thank Him and worship Him in Jesus' mighty name. And the first thing that comes to your mind is, You better go check and see if it worked. Those thoughts are being... Developed in your thinking, either by you know your own thoughts or the devil trying to drop a thought into you, or just by what the world system says about fevers. And they're endeavoring to get you to go and turn off your switch of faith. And the first thing, now I'm every one of you that had this experience, you know and realize the moment you prayed, doubt came to your mind and said it didn't work. You didn't get it. God's not going to answer your prayer. That's why the Word says, keep your switch of faith turned on. Once you prayed and said, I believe that this baby is healed in Jesus' name, you just keep your switch of faith turned on and you have whatsoever you say. I say that He did hear my prayer. I say that that baby is delivered. I say that that fever left that body. I say in Jesus' mighty name, she or He is healed. You're keeping your switch of faith turned on. What's that doing? It's allowing the current of God's power to flow. And as long as that current is flowing... And faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of what you didn't see yet. It'll work with faith and power to drive that thing out of that baby's body. Every time it'll work. Are you seeing what I'm saying? See, that's the switch of faith, keeping it turned on. That's how it works. But we are to hold fast to our confession of faith. We are not to waver in our confession of faith. Let's look at another scripture in the latter part of this chapter. Here we see in verse 35... 
Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might, you might, you might, you might what? Receive the promise. You might, after you've done the will of God. You mean it's possible to have done the will of God and not receive the promise? Yes. If you waver. Yes. If you faint. If you stop saying it. If you turn off your switch of faith. See, some of you ask the Father for me. But when it looked like it wasn't possible anymore, you begin to waver in your faith. Some of you ask the Father for a healing. But the devil's persistent. The body's persistent. The world, for sure, is persistent in telling you that you're not healed. But bless God, you held fast to your confession of faith or you wavered. Now notice here it says, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now I don't know about you, but I'm interested in receiving the promise. I am interested in receiving the promise that God has for me. If it's healing, I'm interested in receiving it. If it's finances, I'm interested in receiving it. If it's my children's lives, I'm interested in receiving it, aren't you? Okay, here's his instruction. What is the will of God? The will of God in prayers thus far was that I pray in faith believing. The will of God in prayer was that I ask in the name of Jesus for the Father to meet my need. Let's look at some of the will of God in prayer. Or it's just the will of God, period. Ask and you shall receive. What's God's will in receiving? Asking. Seeking you shall find. What's God's will in, in finding? Seeking. If you're not seeking, you're not going to find. Someone says, but I've been seeking and I haven't found. Isn't it something that God turned to lying? Isn't it? See, if you're not finding, you're not seeking. Take the word in its integrity for what it says. If God said, if you, you'll find if you seek, then I say this. If I didn't find, I'm not seeking. If I haven't found my desired result, I'm not seeking. As God wants me to seek. Someone says, I wish the doors would open up for me. Knock and they shall be. Well, I'm just waiting for God to open up the door. Are you knocking? Well, how do you knock on a spiritual door? Study to show yourself to be approved of God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do you knock on a door where you want to preach? Preach to your couch and your chairs. Preach on the street. Preach to anybody that will lend you an ear. Go up to the old folks home and preach. See, God's will for having doors open in your life is knock and they shall be open. See, God works under law, spiritual law. And when you comply to that law, it's going to work. It's the same thing with that fellow with his electric, electricity. The laws were working, but he wasn't tapping into it. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, now let's go back to the beginning. We talked about uh, certain steps to follow in receiving an answer to your prayer. And if you recall, we gave you the first one was decide what you want from God. Decide what it is that you want from God. Be very decisive. Don't be indecisive in what you want from God. Whatever it is that you want, you've got to be specific with the Father. If you're looking for a mate, be specific with the Father. I want a school teacher who's got brown hair and brown eyes, six foot two, makes $25,000 a year, got his own home, and whatever. Be specific with God. I mean, you saw him think about it. If, if you know, you know, God's not in the sh in the market for you know a mate. You're the one that's in the market for a mate. And the reason why people are not getting their their desired result is because they're not specific with what they want. He says, "Now, someone says, now, Lord, find me a mate." And you look out there, and he says, "Well, which one do you want? What type do you want?" It's like his grocery store. He's got a lot of stuff in his grocery store. But what is it that you want? Be specific. I want a loaf of bread. I want a you know half a gallon of milk. Well, it's the same thing. If you're, I'm sincere. If you are looking for a mate, put down in writing what you want. Be specific with God. Be specific in, and decisive in that which you want from the Father. Father, this is what I want. Be decisive in what you want. Be specific. Oh, that's impossible for him to give me everything that I name on that. Why? The Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart if that's your desire. I'm sure somebody meets those qualifications. And I'm sure how, if he has to get him saved, he will. Praise God. But what I'm saying is, be specific with the Word of God. Know that there is integrity in that Word. Decide what you want from God. 
After you decide what you want from God, we said number two was, look up the scriptures that promise you the answer and meditate on them. Meditate on the scriptures that promise you your answer. Meditate those scriptures. Now the reason why we said to meditate those scriptures is not for God's benefit, but for your benefit. Those enemies that are out there that are arrayed against you and that are trying to destroy your faith or turn off your switch of faith, remember something, that switch of faith is not turned on until you release that faith. Once you release that faith, go, up goes your faith antenna. When your faith antenna is up in the air, you become an open target in the spiritual realm. There's not too many Christians with their faith antennas up. That's why these demons, they have a lot of them left over just to find out somebody who's in faith. Because if there's not enough that's in faith, they don't have too much work to do. It's no work to keep a daughter in, in bondage, believe me. Someone that doesn't believe the word of God, there's no word. The Bible says when, a, when someone gets the word, then immediately cometh who? The devil. So when you get the word, don't be concerned about immediately cometh that devil because he's paralyzed, stripped, and he's brought down to nothing. All you've got to do is fight the good fight of faith. Okay, now these enemies that are arrayed against you are coming against your faith to get you out of faith and back into sense, knowledge, evidence. Now the world will tell you you can't find a husband that way. Now the, the, you know, the devil will tell you you can't find a husband that way. And your flesh and your head will tell you you certainly can't find a husband that way. But bless God, just take it to the Father in Jesus' mighty name. Put in your prayer request. Put in your desired result. And believe that you receive it in Jesus' mighty name. That's what he said to do. I'm just telling you what God said to do. You know, I didn't write Mark 11, 23, you shall have whatsoever he said. Jesus said that. And he said and meant what he said, that you shall have whatsoever you say it. Okay, now, meditation. Now, we talked about the reason why people have failed in the Word of God and prayer. They have prayed their prayer request. They have made their formal request without a secure foundation. They didn't have a solid foundation when they made their prayer request. Now remember, as soon as you make your prayer request, you have an, an, a storm of life coming your way. As soon as you make your prayer request, all Satan and all his demons and your flesh, the devil, the world and the flesh are all coming against you because you're going uphill. You're, you're paddling upstream. You're going cross grain. Everything that you're doing is totally contrary to what this system says that we're living under. And this world system is bound up and on the course of nature which set on fire of hell. It's going in the wrong direction. And when you do about face a turnaround and you're going in the right direction, you've got all this opposition coming your way and it's coming against your faith to turn off your switch of faith. Now, if a person is going to have a solid foundation in what he's praying about, he's going to have to have the Word of God prepared in his heart. If the word is prepared in your heart, if your heart is totally filled with and prepared, prepared with God's word before you release your faith, when the storm comes, there'll be no problem. But if you just took a couple of scriptures and just uh, just went off on your merry old way and didn't think about meditating on it, or, or you know, getting inside your spirit, then you're going to be defeated in your prayer life. And instead of getting closer to your result, you're going to get further away from your result. Now, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we saw here in verse 17, remember? Take above all the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Okay, now listen. Once you make your formal request to the Father, there are certain fiery darts that Satan will be shooting your way. Now, you've got to understand this in the spirit realm. And you've got to begin to see it clearly so that you can use your faith to quench these fiery darts. We said in the beginning... Satan's attack was against the believer that was speaking the word. He began to torture them. He began to, uh, you know, have them die martyrs' death to stop that word, martyrdom, and afflict them with all kinds of things to stop the word from working. Then when he saw that he couldn't stop these people from speaking God's word, he went to another uh, dart, which was the dart of getting the word bound up in monasteries, and languages that men couldn't understand. If man doesn't understand the language of God's word, then he's not going to understand how to quench the fiery darts of the devil. If, if the word of God is locked up in a monastery and not in your possession, how in the world are you going to use it against the devil, the world and the flesh? Okay, now listen. He couldn't keep it bound up in, in these monasteries and languages that men couldn't understand, and so he came together with his cohorts and devised another dart we're going to bind up the word in doctrines and traditions. I don't believe in this Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues business. 
And of course, you can't use it and you'll never get it because you don't believe in it. Jesus said you'll have what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And if you believe in your heart that it's not for us today, and if you confess with your mouth that it's not for us today, you're not going to get it. But when you get turned around into the Word of God, but see, here's what Satan did. He bound up the Word in traditions and doctrines of men. Well, he found out, didn't Jesus even say that you have made the Word of God an unaffect by your tradition? Well, when the devil found out that some men weren't going to fall under that dart of tradition, they weren't going to get, you know, sidetracked by his doctrines that he's instilled into man's hearts. They were just going to take the Word of God for what it said and walk in light of it. Now, the cure for mental ascent is getting the Word of God into your heart through meditation. If you think you know the Word because you can quote it, or if you think you know the Word because it's here in your head, you're wrong and you're highly mistaken. Facts of God's Word, remember this, facts of God's Word do not produce results. It's facts that are turned into truths or realities in the individual's heart that produces results. So against this highest, highly sophisticated dart of mental ascent, it takes meditation upon the Word of God to get that Word inside your heart so that instead of having a mental agreement to God's Word, you have a heart faith. Once you get to the place that your the Word is in your spirit, it's a truth, it's a reality, it's inside your innermost being, then all the fiery darts of the devil released at you at one time cannot destroy your faith. You'll stand against every fire dart because you'll recognize them. You know exactly what they're designed to do and you'll be able to have a strong mind and a strong heart. You'll protect your heart. You'll protect your mind with the peace of God and it'll bring forth the results, the end result. Okay. Now, let me give you one more thing and we're going to go on. Once you pray this prayer of faith, if he can't get you in these areas that I just named, then remember this. Mark 4 tells you exactly five ways he's coming against that faith that you've released. Through affliction, through persecution, through the cares of this world, cares of this age, the lust of other things, and the deceitfulness of riches. These are five ways, five darts, five ways Satan's coming to get you out of faith into unbelief. To get you out of the word into sense, knowledge, evidence. Okay, now you need to understand that and you need to know that. Now, let's open our Bibles to Joshua, the first chapter. All that was a synopsis of what we've discussed. I wanted to reiterate some points that we had made to bring us back to where we were. We are in step number two. You have, number one, decided what you wanted from God. Number two... You found the scriptures that promise you the answer and you've begun your meditation. Now, you will recall that when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they did not enter into the promised land because the giants that were in the land, according to their, their standard, were too, too much for them to handle. It was impossible for them to possess the land. So... Immediately when Moses dies and the father carries over that ministry to a man named Joshua, he gives Joshua instruction as to how he would be successful and prosperous in life and how he would pick up where Moses left off and he will do what Moses could not do. He will be a successful person in his endeavors for the Lord. Now in the first chapter in verse 8, this is the instruction that was given them to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Out of your what? Out of your what? It shall not depart out of your what? He shall have whatsoever he what? Where should the word be? The word is nigh thee in thy heart and in thy what? Where else is the word supposed to be besides your mouth? If thou shalt believe in thine heart and say with thy mouth, doubt not in your what? But say it with your what? Heart and mouth. Heart and mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of your what? Okay, Caleb entered into the promises of God, right? Caleb took his mountain, right? Others didn't, but Caleb did, right? 
if this is a law of faith, if it's true, then somewhere in this Bible, it should say that Caleb had faith in his heart and in his mouth. Right? Hold your place there and go to the 14th chapter. And look at verse 7. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word that was in my what? Of course, you know, he spoke the word. Okay, what were the words that Caleb spoke? What were the words that Caleb spoke? When all the things around them, that surrounded them, were dictating impossibilities, Caleb, unlike the other spies, said, Fear not, we are well able to possess the land. Fear not. We are well able to possess the land. He brought back word that was in his heart. How did that word get in his heart? Go back to Joshua 1. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Verse 8. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. According to all that is written therein. To do according to all. To do. Observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Do you know what God's confession was concerning Caleb? Caleb hath another spirit within him. For he hath followed me wholly or fully. Or he has done all that I've asked him to do. Now Caleb got the word in his heart because he meditated in that word day and night. Moses brought back word and said that the Lord has sent an angel before our face to drive out the inhabitants of the land. That's why Joshua and Caleb both knew that they could take the land. Joshua had a confession that said, Don't rebel against the Lord your God. These people are bred for us. We're well able to go in and possess the land. Caleb said the same thing. We're well able to possess the land. Now, how did Joshua and Caleb get the word in their heart? It says right here, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, because you'll meditate therein day and night. Now, meditation upon the word will get the word inside your spirit or inside your heart. When the word gets inside your heart, it'll be in your mouth. When it's in your heart, it'll come out of your mouth. For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's why the law of faith was given in Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, He shall have whatsoever He saith. If He doesn't doubt in His heart, but says it with His mouth, He shall have whatsoever He saith. Well, Caleb had whatsoever He said. Bless God. And Joshua had whatsoever He said. We're well able to take the land. And praise God, the ten spies got what they said. We can't do it. We're going to die in the wilderness. And they died. And the Israelites, they said, we can't do it. We're going to die in the wilderness. And they died. Amen? Now, what's the word say? You will make your way prosperous. You will have good success if you meditate. Three ways to meditate the word. Number one, mutter. M-U-T-T-E-R, mutter. Number two, speak aloud. And number three, muse, M-U-S-E, the word. Mutter, speak aloud. Now, there's some things we need to understand concerning meditation. And the reason why I'm not going to step three yet, because we've got to understand this. If you don't understand this, there's no sense going any further. There's no sense in leaving this step, because if you don't have a foundation built, when you pray your prayer of faith, your house will fall by the first storm that comes. Now remember, that enemy is coming and the storms are coming when you release your prayer of faith. Now, let's look at some scriptures concerning meditation. Go to the 119th Psalm.
You say, I want to be a doer of the word. He just told you how to do it. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That's saying, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. That's doing. Saying the word and doing the word. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That's how you mutter the word. That's how you muse the word. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Walk around your house saying, I shall have whatsoever I say it. I shall have whatsoever I say it. And you start to see when you start saying some things wrong, beloved, something on the inside of you will go, he shall have whatsoever he say it. You start doing that enough, you'll find out, you say, well, honey, I know how we're going to make it to the end of the month. And something inside of you will go, he shall have whatsoever he say it. He shall have whatsoever he say it. Doesn't seem that any way we can get out of this mess, honey. He shall have whatsoever he says. Somebody, that inner man will just keep on pouring it out until it knocks you in the head. And your head starts saying, well, listen, I'm going to agree with that inner man. We can make it. We can make it. We're well able to possess the land, honey. We're well able to possess the land. He shall have whatsoever he said. He shall have whatsoever he said. Look at the 119th Psalm, verse 99. I have more understanding. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Moses was the teacher of Joshua. But Joshua had more understanding than his teacher. Why? This is tells you why right here. For thy testimonies are my meditation. Thy testimonies are my meditation. Now the 119th Psalm verse 130 says, The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. The truths, the facts of God's word become understanding and truth and realities in your spirit when you meditate upon it. I've taken that scripture in Mark eleven twenty three and just continuously say it. He shall have whatsoever he said. He shall have whatsoever he said. He shall have whatsoever he said. I shall have whatever I say. I will have whatsoever I say. And the more I meditate it, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I say it, the more I speak it aloud, the more I whisper it under my breath and begin to realize what that scripture is actually saying. Then that truth is built into my spirit. The fact of God's word that says he shall have whatsoever he saith becomes an integral part of my being. And I begin to take that, the word that's, that says he shall have whatsoever he said, and then I begin to, you know, let that word be productive in my life. Just like Moses, or just like Joshua, and just like Caleb did. They did the same thing. He said, how do you know they meditated the word of God? Because the scriptural law says he shall have whatsoever he said. And if they meditate the word and get it in their heart, they'll do what the word says. And Joshua and Caleb were doers of the word. And if the law says you're going to do it by meditation, then we have to realize that meditation of God's word will cause us to be successful and productive and prosperous. Okay, let's look at another scripture. Uh, Well, 63rd Psalm. How many of you know the first Psalm that says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law does He meditate day and night. In His law does He meditate day and night. His law does He meditate day and night. Now, let me say something about this meditation while we're looking at some of these scriptures. His law, does he meditate day and night? If meditation means to mutter, and meditation means to speak, and meditation, you know, of God's word means to muse or ponder it or keep going over and over it, some people get the idea that they have to have a Bible in their hand if they're going to meditate. They think that they've got to have the word of God before their face if they're going to meditate. But that's just a lie of the devil. Mutter means to speak under your breath. Speak aloud God's word means in your conversation. And to muse it, that means to take the word and study it, ponder it, go over it, and just take, take a given portion of scripture and get everything you can out of it by going to definitions, going to concordances, going into Greek, going into everything. Everything you could turn a scripture over inside out to get what you can out of it. That's part of meditation. But mutter, to speak under your breath, just very softly. Muttering God's Word is meditating God's Word. And as you begin to mutter the Word of God, the the Spirit of God will quicken that inside you. You say, this doesn't make any sense to me. You mean you walk around the house saying, He shall have whatsoever He saith. Praise God, He shall have whatsoever He saith. 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 saith." Yeah, I do that. Do you walk around your house saying, With His stripes, I was healed. 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 And if you, you start to see something, you begin doing this. Spirit of God leads you to do this. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He means me. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. 
He shall have. Not he might. He shall have whatsoever he said. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Whatsoever he said. Yes, whatsoever. He shall. We already did the he. So he shall have whatsoever he saith. So you can spend an hour just just meditating on that that very thing right there. He shall have whatsoever he said. He shall have whatsoever he said. He shall have whatsoever he said. And what you're doing is allowing the Spirit of God to quicken that inside your spirit. And you are building a fortress inside your spirit. And, you know, when you do that, then your spirit becomes good soil. Now look at what uh, David said over here in the 63rd Psalm. I love it. O oh God, verse 1, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. You want to talk about meditation right there? Meditate this. O oh Father, You are my El Shaddai, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee, and my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Your power and glory, so as I had seen Thee in the sanctuary. Because Thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings I will I rejoice. See, he's talking about meditating upon him in his night while on his bed. Just laying on that bed and thinking about the glory and the power and the omnipotence of our Heavenly Father. And we begin to realize that any time any trouble ever came our way, we just begin to talk about what he has done for us and, and what he has made us. And in, in, in the New Testament, what he has already established in us through Jesus Christ. We should be meditating who we are in Christ continuously. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You have made me to be more than an over, overcomer and more than a conqueror. And Father, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I have received of your glory. I have received of your divine nature and power. And everything is possible unto me because I believe that I shall have whatsoever I say it. And I said I am the redeemed of the Lord and bless God. I'm blessed in every one of my deeds. And there's no evil that can befall me. No plague come down my dwelling. You think about this one. There shall no evil happen unto the righteous. Hallelujah. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and no evil shall happen unto me. And meditate that and murmur it and mutter it and talk about it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and no evil shall happen to me. And in my pathway is life and there is no death in my way. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. You see what I'm saying? What do you say? Why do you keep doing that? Because that's what the Word said. I didn't say it. The Word says don't let the Word depart out of your mouth so it can be in your heart. So it can be productive and operative in your life. That is building yourself a sure foundation. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I haven't done said this before. I told a few people. When um, we were going to a wedding, I remember we parked our car on the side of the street. Ah, this comes up to me every time I talk about meditation and thinking on the Word. And uh, I opened up the car door. I had Jason in one arm getting out of the car and Lisa was in the back seat. And... Uh, when she got out the car, I opened up the car, there's a highway there. And she didn't realize it. But all the cars were parked on the highway. And she saw little Dina Falk and she was on the other side of the street. And I had Jason in one arm. I just happened to look up when I was getting out of the car that there was a truck coming around the corner and it was flying. And she just saw her and said, hi, Dina, and just jumped out of the back seat of the car and ran right in the middle of the street. I had Jason in one arm. I just stood there. And I know how. But I just stuck out my arm, my hand like that there and grabbed it. And all I caught was her wrist when she was halfway across, just, just about running out in the middle of the street and caught her by the wrist and pulled her back in like that there. And she came flying back and the truck went right by. And when it happened, I mean, your flesh would say all kinds of things, but something on the inside of me said, in your pathway is life and there is no death. Something rose up on the inside. It was my spirit speaking and said, in, in your pathway is life and there is no death. In your pathway is life and there is no death. In your pathway is life and there is no death. I said, hallelujah. In my pathway is life and there is no death. Don't tell me it don't work. I know it works. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. But you've got to be diligent. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be, you know, the devil is, he's persistent. The only thing I can say about him, you know, that's in a plus column for him is that he is persistent. And he's going to make, you know, make you be diligent. That's why the word says to be diligent, not because the Lord, you know, wants to be hard on you, but because he knows your enemy. He knows the adversary. 
He knows that he is persistent. Someone says, well, one of these days I'm going to start confessing the word when everything gets quiet around my house. You're not going to wait till that day comes because it'll never come. I try to get into the word and meditate the word, but I just can't seem to do it. You're not, you forget it. If you're going to wait till circumstances tell you you can meditate the word, forget it. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. But do you see what I'm saying? You've got to get the Word of God. I cannot stress this enough. The Word has got to become an integral part of your being. It has got to become truth. It has got to become reality. It's got to be in your heart day and night so it can come out of your mouth. And bless God, it will work in your life. Now, let's go to another scripture concerning this. Let's look at the um, 143rd Psalm. we got a lot in Psalms here, but I'll just give you another one. Someone says, but I want instant potatoes. I want an instantaneous miracle. I want my miracle to be right now. The Bible does never say that. You may get a few of those and praise God for them. But the Bible says the just shall walk by what? We shall live by faith and not by sight. We shall walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we shall walk by faith and not by the senses. You got three instigators of faith. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You got three instigators of the senses. The devil, the world, and the flesh. And the warfare is the senses warring against faith. The senses warring against the Spirit. The Word in you or the senses that are dictating to you. Now, whichever one you're going to put inside your heart and cause to be a reality is going to work and make you, you know, prosperous in this life. 143rd Psalm. Look at verse 5 and 6. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on, on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Now the word there that's used for, for meditate, it means to ponder. It means to search. It means to study. Fully. Wholly. I gave you the example last time. I know it's a, you know, not... The best example, well, it's the best example I can actually give you. It may not be the nicest sounding example, but it's like a cow chewing your cud. When that cow begins to chew whatever it's eating, it takes, it refines it and gets all the nutrients out of it as, as it can the first time. It swallows it and it brings up, it brings it up again. It begins to chew its cut over and over again. And each time it refines it more. It refines it more. It refines it more. It gets more nutrients. It gets more, until finally it's gotten everything that's possible to get out of that food. And it's finally assimilated throughout all the body and it, you know, causes it to be healthy. Now what this word is actually saying, you have taken the word concerning your case. You found the scripture that promises you the answer. You have meditated it, you are muttering it, you are speaking it, you've got your dictionary out, you've got your concordance out, you are looking up all the words. Every way you can look at that scripture to find it out, you know, find out everything that's in that scripture, you're going over and over and over and over and over and over. Now see, people don't want to do this kind of work. Christians don't want to be diligent for some reason. But bless God, the Word of God says that we've got to diligently seek Him, doesn't it? Now, when you do that, you, by this God's Spirit, will reveal to you everything that's inside those Scriptures. And when He does, it'll register upon your heart. And when it registers upon your heart, look at another Scripture, 1 Timothy 4, 15. It'll cause you to be a success and not a failure. The devil doesn't cause you to be a failure. The world doesn't cause you to be a failure. The flesh doesn't cause you to be a failure. If there's any failure in the body of Christ, it's because we have allowed ourselves to be defeated. We've got no reason to allow ourselves to be defeated. We're told to fight the good fight of faith. That's a fight that you win. Isn't that right? It's the good fight of faith. Okay, let's look at the scripture in verse 15. He talks about prosperity. He talks about, look at, you know, let's look at verse 8 first. For bodily exercise, profit it little. But godliness is what? Profitable for all things, unto all things. Having the promise, the promise, the promise of the life that now is. Didn't you know there's a promise to the life that now is? Let us therefore fear, Hebrews 4, 1 tells us, lest the promise of us left us of entering in this promised land, we would come short of it. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Having this promise, don't come short of it. He tells you how to, how to make sure that you'll be profitable. Look at verse 15 now. Meditate upon these things. 
Give thyself wholly to them. Caleb had this report. He wholly followed the Lord. He fully followed the Lord. He meditated the Word day and night. He did exactly what, the, what God told him to do. Give thyself wholly to them. That by what? That thy failure? No. That thy profiting. So it says, you know, God doesn't want us to be prosperous or profit in this time. I'll tell you what. Not only does He want you to profit, it says right here that your profiting may appear to others. I think the world is tired of seeing a body of Christ that's not profitable. Who in the world wants to come to some someone by the name of Jesus if you're going to come for failure? The world's not looking for failure. The world's not looking for defeat. The world's defeated enough and the world's been a failure enough. I think we can see that, can't we? But they're wanting something better than what they have. But it's going to take the believer to meditate upon the things that God's speaking here. And give yourself wholly to them. And when you give yourself wholly to them, then your profiting will appear in all. Now Psalm 1 says that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his what? His fruit. Don't you remember that he said there would be a land flowing with milk and honey, and they would eat the fruit of the land? And if they were willing and obedient, they would eat the good of the land? Okay, this is the promise that He's left us of entering into a place in Him where we can just call upon the name of the Lord and anything we call upon shall be answered. But it takes meditating upon the Word of God. It takes getting that Word of God deep within our spirits before we ever pray that prayer of faith. So faith makes prayer work. Have I expressed myself enough that faith makes prayer work? Once you pray, that's not enough. Faith will make your prayer work. Okay? Well, I'll just introduce to you the next step. It'll produce... Look at John 16 first. John 16, 23. I'll, I'll introduce that to you. We've got to close. We'll pick it up tonight. Where does the time go? Now, there's no time in Jesus. And when you begin to talk about this and the, and the Word of God and you get into the Spirit, it just, it just flies. Amen? What's that going to cause us to you know, think about eternity? When you're just living in the, in the presence and the glory of the Father, there's no time. There's no time in Him. Okay. This is, this is your next step. I can't emphasize this step enough. So I'll just introduce it to you. You to it. Jesus said in John 16, 23. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Now, don't you remember James said, let him ask in faith? Okay, now who am I asking? Am I asking Jesus or am I asking the Father? Most Christians fail in prayer, prayer life because they don't ask the Father, they ask Jesus. I am being totally scriptural. You shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Look, it back, look back at John 14. John 14 and verse 14, or verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name. The word ask there means to demand is your rights and privileges. You are demanding something to be done. In, you know, that's not prayer. That's not prayer. You are demanding something to be done in the name of Jesus. Like, Satan, I command you to get your hands off my baby. That's a command in the name of Jesus. Jesus says, I will do it. Okay? But now when you are praying, Jesus told us in John 16, 23, at that day, in the time of the New Testament, at that day, when you ask in prayer, don't ask me anything. And if you hear most Christians start out in their prayer a petition, they'll say, now, dear Lord Jesus, you know that I need to be healed. And you're not praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. I am not belittling Jesus at all. I am quoting. As a matter of fact, I am honoring what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't you ask me anything. You ask the Father in my name. Get a relationship with your heavenly Father and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to remove that fever off my baby. You can do it like that. That's totally scriptural. But if you say, Jesus, I'm asking you, that's not scriptural. You ought to ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, if you just walked up to your baby and said, now, in the name of Jesus, fever, leave, that's scriptural. See? Whatever method you're going to use, but we're not going to shake these things up and just you know, pour them out and say you can pray any way you want because Jesus didn't do that. He says in prayer, you ask the Father 
in my name. Okay? Now, remember, step number one, find out what you want from God. Decide what you want from God. Make sure that you know exactly and you are specific in what you want from the Father. Step number two, find every scripture you could think of in the Bible that promises you that answer. Once you find that answer, or find the word, meditate it day and night. Build it with inside your spirit till it becomes a stronghold and a fortress inside you. Allow that to become an integral part of your being. Build yourself spiritual imagination. Remember what we said in Genesis eleven six that the word says that if whatever man imagines to do, he's going to do it. Okay, so you begin to get that inside your spiritual imagination. You get an image of the thing that you want from God, and you build it inside your spirit. Once you do that, you are ready to ask the Father and bring your formal request to the Father in the name of Jesus. And we'll pick it up right there tonight. Amen? Praise God. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.